Welcome to the Gathering Place Church weekly podcast. We hope today's message ignites, equips, and challenges you to live out your Christian faith and to bring healing to a broken world. In a world that's trying to take the heartbeat of what a father is, the role of a father, you know, I have, this isn't a band t-shirt, this is a picture of Jesus's ascension. And many times, all throughout the scriptures, we've talked about this, but Jesus in his ascension, he's pictured in not just this one-time moment of where Jesus ascends to the Father, but that the ascension is also a picture of when he comes again. And I'm thankful today as we are in the sweet, sweet air of the Holy Spirit, that Jesus, who sits at the right hand of your heavenly Father today, deployed the Holy Spirit into our lives. So as fathers, as mothers, as sons and daughters, we can walk fully in the Holy Spirit. We're in a series where we're talking about tough issues. We're talking about issues that are everywhere during this month. But we know that the Spirit of the Lord raises a standard. And you being filled with the Holy Spirit have everything you have need of. Isn't that, aren't you thankful for that? And that you being filled with the Holy Spirit, He has a way of touching your weakness, of touching your insecurity, touching your passions, of touching your vices. And if you will come into God's house, not just for the worship part, but for the word part, and say, Holy Spirit, if you could just close your eyes for a moment, just engage with him, and say, Holy Spirit, I am surrendered, I am yielded, I am postured to receive life from you, truth from you, wisdom from you, not knowledge, but wisdom. Knowledge is everywhere. Wisdom is far and few between. This world needs the wisdom of God. So Jesus, we thank you as you sit on the throne. Is the government rest on your shoulder? Is the spirit of Jesus, the Holy Spirit, is deployed into the earth to redeem the world back to Christ? God, that we understand this is not a playground. This is a war zone. That souls are on the line. One great preacher said, before you can ever be a winner of souls, you have to be a weeper of souls. Father, we weep for our nation. We weep for the church. We weep for institutions of education that have gone off the mission of Christ. Jesus, orient us today as spirit-filled people. It does not make us flaky. It does not make us weird. But being a spirit-filled person makes us sober, makes us wise, gives us wisdom beyond our years. Like we read with Timothy, do not despise youth, but be an example in your purity, in your faith, in your walk. Today, we want to walk in the Spirit. This life is not a race. Rather, it is not a sprint. It is a marathon. So today, let us condition ourselves in the Spirit. Because when we walk out of these doors, we're faced with every bit of life, every thing we've got to address. So today, we need wisdom from heaven. 
So we lift our hands as an act of surrender and we say, Jesus, as the scriptures are open, feed us today with your word. Give us wisdom in these dark times and in these dark days. Guard the tenderness of every heart here, that we don't grow bitter, that we don't get a stony heart. But God, you take those hearts as we talked of last week and you give us a beating, healthy, life-giving, wisdom-filled heart of love, of joy, of peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control, all the gifts and the fruits of the Spirit we want in us, working through us today. We love you, Lord. We thank you for this medicine. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said, amen, amen. Well, you can be seated, and um, you'll see my family walking out. We um, are heading into a vacation after this, but wanted to be here today. And, you know, as a pastor, you schedule your vacations after church, okay? So here we are, and they're going to head on uh, with the crew. But um, I want to look today as we've been in a series on walking in the Spirit. And wasn't last week wonderful and a great reminder of seeing children baptized, seeing these um, kids, seeing these students, seeing parents just being caught up in what Christ commands us to do and following up in water baptism. Always love those moments, especially when it's kids getting baptized or something precious and special about that. Um, But today, as we enter in the series of Walking in the Spirit, this isn't just your ordinary uh, series on the Holy Spirit where we're going to get you activated in a spiritual gift I'm not against those things, but there's, um, there's times and places. And in the world today, we've got, you'll always hear through my teaching, is you've got to be sober-minded about things. And if we critique ourselves as spirit-filled people, many times we act the opposite of being sober. We get very emotional. Or we think because we work ourselves up into something that this must be God. But today we've got to check ourselves Even as we said last week, we live in a world today that needs to submit its biology to the theology of God's word. And we have a generation that I believe has a powerful call in its life, a generation of deliverers. I believe every student in our children's ministry and in our Zion Christian Academy is being raised up to be a deliverer. And when you think about deliverers for just a moment, two powerful deliverers, one in the Old Testament being Moses, that Moses led God's people out of bondage in the Old Testament. And then we have the true and better Moses, Jesus, who leads um, God's people, rather, takes the bondage out of the heart of the people. So on the threat of Moses and Jesus, from their birth, there were orders put out from Herod with Jesus and from Pharaoh with Moses that these young boys, a, a decree would be sent from government that young boys would be killed. So this was the era in which the two most powerful deliverers we see in the Old Testament and New Testament come up. And so you have to know today that there is an agenda on your children, on your grandchildren, and I'm convinced today because of what everything we're seeing is that children are the prime target of the enemy, always has been, but there's a blatancy, there's a bluntness, and there is a boldness that you cannot deny that if you choose to be ignorant of it, you're walking around with your eyes closed. This is how obvious it is. 
And so as your pastor, I'm committed to you, especially during Pride Month, that I'm going to pastor you through this. I'm going to pastor you to get to the place of walking in the Spirit, not walking in pride. As Christians, we're called to walk through with a spirit of lowliness and humility. Amen? We understand, as we've talked of, that love is not proud. Love is not love. God is love. And without God, you can never define what love is. So we have a, a mission. There's a mandate that's out there that if you're not careful as a Christian, you can be emotionally baited into it to respond outside of the way God's word calls us to respond. And let me say this too, there's two camps. There's always an angry camp when you talk about these issues, and then there's an affirming camp. Both camps are incorrect. You can't be angry. Now, there can be a, if you're like me, who's a parent of four, and on Father's Day, you got three, one on the way, it angers me to see the world my kids have to grow up in, and I'm gonna do something about it. But I'm not gonna be angry at the person. I'm gonna be angry at the principality. I'm going to be angry at the spirit motivating it, and that's where my warfare will go. Now, over here, I'm not going to affirm lies, because in affirming lies, that is not loving. So we have a culture and a world that is all about affirmation. It's all about tolerance. And in, comp- and in affirmation and tolerance, you have to understand that the line is always being moved, right? That there's a line between good and evil, amen? Amen. There's a very clear line. And these agendas are all about moving the line. First, it will start with, you know, we've seen uh, in our country, gay marriage. Can we legalize marriage, gay marriage? Well, the line hasn't stopped there, right? Years later, what's happened now? The line is moved. Now we want to redefine gender. We want to redefine what a male and what a female is. There's not just two genders, but there's 92 genders. So the line keeps moving. And... What you'll see all throughout Scripture is anytime the line is moved, it's all understanding that these two sides are in a war, and the goal is to get the line moved out to where there's no more war, there's just complete wickedness that's ruling in the land. And I'm here to tell you today, don't buy into the thing of that the line won't even get to the place. I was talking, with this, talking about this subject with somebody the other day. The line won't get to the place of where the line will push past of what the age of consent is. That's what's coming next. They're going to be after sons and daughters. That the age of consent will be pushed on where it's no longer, doesn't matter how old you are, it doesn't matter if you're a son or daughter, you're just a male or a female, and consent doesn't matter. And what I'm telling you today in love is you can't give these ideologies an inch. Can't give it an inch. But we're not going to be angry about it. We're going to be sober about it, but we're not going to affirm it. So you find yourself in the place of, being a Christian in Babylon, being a Christian uh, in the days of what I like to look like, and really when uh, we had our first son, Daniel, who made me a dad, you know, thinking of Father's Day, um, we felt God gave us that name, and the name Daniel means God is my judge. And as you read through the, the book of Daniel, you'll see truth of how we're to, to maneuver and to trust God and to be strategic in days like we see today. And I came across a graphic, and I think it's fitting because in every generation there will be a golden image that will be raised. And in the day in the world we live in today, there's a golden image. And that agenda and that image is pride. If you put it up on the screen, I think this is just a good reminder. And 
what is happening is the sound of pride is being played. And this agenda has a movement. It has legs, and it has feet, and it has agendas, and it has mission. And if you take this into biblical days, any demonic ideology will always want to come for you to bow to it every day of the week. You know the story of what happened here. The sound played. All of the nation would bow, but Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego chose to stand. And you'll see their response. Daniel 3, 17 through 18 says this. This is what they had made up in their mind before the moment ever came. Because what you have to know, if you think you're going to stand in this moment, but there's, no bit, there's been no previous decision, no choice made, no sacrifice made, the pressure will cause you to bow every day of the week unless you have values in place, unless you know the gospel, unless you are born again, unless you have a new identity in Christ. Without these things, when the pressure is applied, we see it from every corporation, we see churches, we see every institution bowing to the Nebuchadnezzar of pride. And so what you see here, this was their response. Daniel 3.17, it says, if that is the case, if we have to bow when this music plays, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us. And do we really believe this, that God is able to deliver? I pray we do. He's able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace, and he will deliver us from your hand, O king. But if not, let it be known to you, O king, that we do not serve your gods, nor will we worship the golden image which you have set up. See, demonic ideologies, they don't just demand your need, they demand your worship. Because everyone worships something. Everyone worships someone. Whether it's the God of sex, like we see in the pride movement, whether it's the God of money or greed, all everyone can say, well, I'm not religious. Well, yes, you are. Give me five minutes, and I'll find what God you worship. It's not a matter of what you're worshiping. It's a matter of what you're assigning worth to. Worship is worthship. Whatever holds your highest value and worth is what you worship. I would even go as far to inch very closely to many Christians can get unbalanced in where their worship is though they claim to even be a Christian. So we've got to look to the scriptures. We've got to look to a biblical worldview to understand what we're dealing with and that the line is constantly being moved. And somewhere, somewhere, somebody somewhere has to hold the line and to take a stand. And I want us to be a church that takes a stand, that's not afraid of the keyboard warriors that come out on messages like this. And I got to tell you, last week, they came out, and I've got tons of messages sent to me of how I'm a bigoted, hateful pastor. I can show them to you. Um, Last week's message, believe it or not, in seven years of preaching was the most viewed message I've ever had, talking along this subject. So clearly, there is a vacuum and a void. People are looking for pastors who will stand for truth, but understand that it's not easy But in the heart of being a real man, and and please understand this on Father's Day, is if you are going to be a father and you are going to be a man, you have to get rid of this idea that a life of ease awaits me, a life of comfort awaits me. That we've been sold a lie is if we can make our lives as comfortable as as possible, then that's successful. But a real man, and this is what I'm striving for, and I pray every man and father here is, 
Your greatness is determined not by how big your boat is, not by how insulated your bank account is, not by how much equity you have, not by how charismatic you are, no matter how good of a game you talk, but it's in how well you serve. That's the mark of a successful man is their serve. How well do you serve? And many men today are baited into a complacent, pacifistic, you, you read in the days of Elijah, an Ahab pacifist kind of man who sits down and who bows when the golden image is lifted. And we can't live like that. We can't be like that. We will be judged in the book of Revelation where it says cowards will not inherit the kingdom of God. And I refuse to be a coward. I don't want us to be a church that is a coward. And I understand today there's people in here today, you're on different sides of these issues. There's people watching that are on different sides of this issue. No, I love you, and I want to speak the truth. I've been ministering for now seven years. I've been in ministry my whole life. I've seen the ebbs and the flows of political seasons. I've seen the ebbs and flows of different movements and agendas and hashtags. And understand that my heart is to preach the full counsel of God's word. That there's nothing left that should not be touched by the church. Because when there is a vacuum of what the church will not speak into, then other leaders, other agendas, um, other social movements will educate your children and educate us of how we're to think. We call this social engineering, how our lives are to be, how we're to um, get along with one another, socialize with one another. You know, you look at, um, and this is where I encourage parents, I think we have 65, 66 days till ZCA starts back up. And many, there's families here that send their children to public schools. And this is my opinion, so please understand that this is not what God's word says, but this is my opinion. Um, personally, I will never send my kids to public schools. Because if, in a hypothetical world, I don't know the stats, but if 95% of public schools is education and the other 5% is indoctrination, do you want to take the chance on that 5% that it can take your children's innocence, that it can educate them or open a door to something that you're not even aware of? And so I would encourage you to make the sacrifice, be it homeschool, be it private Christian education, and we're doing everything in our ability to make it affordable. And I believe there is a huge movement coming where these options will be there, from school choice uh, to where you get to decide where your tax dollars go. Um, I believe that God can bless this ministry where we can build a high school debt-free and we can give you those options. Because I'm just not preaching hype right now. I'm preaching that I'm willing to put my mouth where my money is and my money where my mouth is, that we're actually doing something about it, not just talking about it. And if you want to know, amen, you can clap to that. And I got to tell you, it could be easier to put funds and time and resources into building a platform, into building a church, not building education, not building where, thank God, there's teachers, many of who are sitting here today who will say, we will take less monetarily because of the purpose and we believe in what we're doing. It's beautiful and it's amazing and it pleases and it touches the heart of God. But know this is, I know there's public school teachers here 
and you are salt and you are light in the world. I'm not neglecting that. And somebody has to do it and somebody has to engage in those things. But please understand that your children are never to be experiments. Your children are not ready in third and fourth and fifth grade to go be a missionary in a world that evil will... You see, we, we think our children are a lot better than what they are, more prepared than what they are. But if you want to really see where your public school system is, on their first day of school from kindergarten to fifth grade, this is good. You can use this. You need to ask your child in the questionnaire that they're given, this will tell you where everything's at, they'll be given questionnaires where they fill out details about themselves and their likes and their dislikes. And you need to get a hold of that questionnaire and see if one of the questions asks what their preferred pronouns are. If there's a question about their preferred pronouns, that will tell you what is expected for the rest of that year. They ask up front, they do it subtly, but these are things you've got to be prepared and these are things you've got to be vigilant on because it's just the beginning of more that they will be introduced into. We doing okay today? I feel like I got to ask this a lot in our message. So we're going to look at a biblical response to these movements and kind of had three different titles and these could be triggering, so take a deep breath, okay? Number one would be the transing of America and a biblical response to it. You see the trans ideology movement in our country and what does the word of God say to that? Another title you can write down and I think this is appropriate in light of Father's Day. And again, this could be triggering, but I would say it is this, is that real men aren't women. Can we use that as a title? I don't know. Maybe you like that one. But it's, we were just talking about this. It's, I feel very, um, I feel it's sad that these things even have to be communicated on such a one-on-one level, that this is where the discourse of our country is, that doesn't know what a male or a female is doesn't know what a woman is. So the fact that we have to teach and preach through these things, to me, is very sad because we should be much farther than this as a society. But quite frankly, we're not. And I don't leave things up to, a, to chance, and I'm not going to assume anything. So we've got to go to the Scriptures. Galatians 5, 16 is where we're at. This is our Scripture for the series, but it says, Walk in the Spirit, and you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. Walk in the Spirit, and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Galatians 5.24 says, And those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and with its desires. We need to know this. We are not our sexuality. We are not our gender. This is where the world has turned everything to, that it all that matters is what camp of sexuality you want to identify with, and now this defines you as a person. This is never the case. Because if you go by what your sexuality is, you're essentially saying at the lowest version of yourself that I am my appetites, I am my cravings, I am what I want and how I want to express myself. And this is never how a Christian is to be seen or what our identity is supposed to be that Christ gives us true identity. And I love this as well. The Spirit of God in you is, strong for, is stronger than the sinful urges within you. The Spirit of God in you is stronger than the sinful urges within you. 
if we're saying today that we want to walk in the Spirit, and this goes beyond just homosexuality, sexuality in, in general, this bleeds into every part of your life that whatever vice is warring against you, the Spirit of God in you is stronger than that thing. And its knee has to bow to what the Spirit of God and what truth and what Scripture says. But many times we're deceived and we buy the lies that I am my dysfunction, I am my insecurity, I am my appetites and my cravings because I, I tried to conquer it and it didn't work. I've, I've, I've warred against it a little bit and I saw a little bit of progress, but a few months later I'm back in the same camp or I'm back in the same mess. So you have to be convinced in this day and this age that the spirit of God within you is stronger than the sinful urges that are warring within you. Scripture says, Jesus says himself, that the kingdom of God suffers violence, and the violent take it by force. This is not a physical call to arms. Please understand this. This is the level of determination and focus you are to war against evil passions within you, that you've got to be violent with them. You have to war against them. And someone who is deceived by a spirit of homosexuality, someone who is deceived into transitioning, mutilating their body parts because they don't like the body that God had given them, it is a war of the passions. It is an interior war. And Jesus says, if you're going to have any form of resistance, you have to war against these things. And we live in a culture, sadly, where most men and fathers are soft and girly, and there's no model of warring anything. And we need men today to rise up with a tender heart and a warrior spirit, a healing presence, and model what it means to truly be a man. Not a beastly man, but a spirit-filled man of God. And if we can take what men love to do from athletics to lifting, to working out, all the things that release testosterone, right? If we can take this and say what the scripture we read today, that yes, being athletic does give some profitability, but you have to take and to understand we are in a spiritual gymnasium and we've got to work that heart muscle. We've got to work our mind. We've got to be in a place that we are being transformed in a world that is transitioning. Because if men are not being transformed, then the transition from dark from light to dark or from dark to light, all this transition will just keep happening, but there's no biblical standard and no model of what a true father is. You'll be labeled as toxic. You'll be labeled as outdated and archaic, old values that don't work anymore. And I'm telling you today is if we can step up even into the identity of men of God, of fathers, God will bless it. He will make up what you lack in your weakness and don't listen to the lie that you're to sit down and to shut up. Men should be the first to run to the battle. Men should be the first to defend women and children. And you have a feminist movement that puts women out in the front line while men sit back, drink, be lazy, and lethargic. So everything has gone completely backwards. And I love this as well because we understand that woman was created for man. But ever since then, every man and every woman comes forth from a woman. So our wives, our mothers, our daughters, our sisters are to be protected and cared for by godly men. 
This is God's idea of family. This is God's idea of patriarch. And all of these godly ways of how men are to serve women, of roles that are seen in the Bible, are seen as outdated, archaic. They don't work anymore. They are oppressive. They are misogynistic. And we've got to raise the standard to say, yes, these areas have been abused. I think we would all say that. It's been done poorly and it's been handled wrongly. But that still does not give an excuse to say God's word doesn't work. That it can be redeemed. You can be set free. You can be the man that God has called you to be and be the woman that God has called you to be. So these are the things we have to war against to reclaim biblical manhood and not allow it to fall to the wayside. You know, I love stories of bravery in our culture who stand up against these ideologies. They're You've seen the mess that's happened with the L.A. Dodgers franchise, and we talked of last week how this anti-Christian Catholic group called the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence, how they express themselves sexually to the public on family nights um, and on family parades with children involved. Um, you saw that there was a, a picture by the name of Blake Trevine who actually used his voice to take a stand against this stuff. Because this is where the tide changes when good people stand up and use their voice. Because most good people just don't want to be bothered by anybody. We usually don't say anything. But the day and age is over where you just can't sit by silently. So Blake Trevine said this, and, and I'll read his letter, the first and last statement. But he said this. He says, I am disappointed to see the sisters of perpetual indulgence being honored as heroes at Dodger Stadium. Many of their performances are blasphemous and their work only displays hate and mockery of Catholics and Christian faith. He then goes on to say, I believe Jesus Christ died on the cross for my sins. I believe the word of God is true. And Galatians 6, 7 says, do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. This group openly mocks Jesus Christ, the cornerstone of my faith. And I want to make it clear that I do not agree with nor support the decision of the Dodgers to honor the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence. He then leaves with the scripture, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We will serve the Lord. And I want to encourage you today to get a spiritual backbone, to take a stand, because I, I posted this on my socials um, this week, and it's by G.K. Chesterton, and he said, um, it's not that I hate what is in front of me. A good soldier doesn't fight because he hates what is in front of him, but it's because he loves what is behind him. And this fight that we're moving forward in isn't a fight of hate. It is a fight of I so love the children and the legacy and the generations that are behind me that if we don't take a stand, especially men, who else will? We are the last line of defense. Your government will not stand most churches will not stand, but there will be a remnant that will stand. And are you a part of that? Or are you like a Lot's wife like last week who is deceived by her empathy and her sympathy that there was a lingering that turned into a longing and Jesus said three powerful words, remember Lot's wife. The only woman in the Bible of 170 women that are mentioned, she was mentioned to remember. That we don't want the longing 
and allow our emotions be deceived as Christians who are good-hearted people who want to see people saved and souls saved, that the enemy can play on that to get you to affirm a lie because you love that person or you care for that person. Again, we never stop loving them, but one of the most unloving thing you can do to anybody is affirm a lie for somebody. So don't get deceived in this conversation. You know, we see... Um, I want to look at, at Romans chapter 1, and we'll go through it quickly, and I'm going to give you three points of what happens in our culture, given off Romans 1, and then I'm going to give you three points of hope. So Romans chapter 1, Nadia, if you would put this up. It's the NIV because it captures a, um, I think it really captures a good language for what's taking place. Let's see this. It says, the wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of people who suppress the truth with their wickedness. You have to understand today, we are in a culture that is suppressing and suppressing and suppressing. We just heard that God won't be mocked. Eventually, that suppressing will release. Here's here's what happens. It says, since what may be known about God is plain to them, because God has made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse. You have no excuse. I have no excuse. It's clear in the scriptures. For although they knew God, they chose not to glorify God, nor gave thanks to him, but their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. Many that are behind these things, your expectation has to be at the place of their thinking is futile, their hearts are darkened, and it's in a system of folly. Although they claim to be wise, they became fools. Isn't there a wisdom out there that says, look how wise we are, look how knowledgeable we are, look how woke we are. But in other words, you've got to be careful because it can be foolish. And it says, and they exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like a mortal human being, birds to animals and reptiles. Therefore, God gave them over. This is important. God gave them over. Well, that doesn't sound like a loving God. No, he, he gave them what they wanted. They suppressed it. They suppressed it long enough. So a loving God is not a tyrant. So you want it, you're given over to it. So God gave them over in their sinful desires, their hearts to sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with one another. We see in this movement, and it breaks my heart, that there is a degrading of the body because your body is made in the image of God. And know this about your body, is your body has a theology, the theology of your body, an anthropology, and your body shows the gospel, a marriage shows the gospel in the giving and of the receiving, that at the very core of how our bodies are designed is they show a picture of Jesus in the church and in the marriage of the two. And the enemy, he can never create anything new. He can never create anything at all. All he can take is the clay of what we were formed from and pervert it and try to recreate it. So the enemy never creates anything. He only perverts that which God creates. So he's in the business of taking the image of God and recreating it into his image. 
You know, I was watching the Passion of the Christ, usually always try to do around Good Friday, and um, I think it's been close to 25 years since the movie had come out. And I caught something that I hadn't before. But if you notice how um, Satan is portrayed in the Passion, you can't really tell what gender he is. And uh, they're actually, I, I began to look into it, and uh, Mel Gibson, who produced it, was actually very specific to create an image of Satan that looked non-binary. And I think he was ahead of his time in portraying a view and a picture of Satan that will come after gender and that will come after the mutilation of bodies. So we got to understand at the core of what Satan does, this is a part of his agenda. And uh, Mel Gibson, speaking of him, is actually back in the news in the respect of he's about to release a four-part bombshell documentary on addressing the sex child trafficking behind the scenes in Hollywood um, and also on the border in Ukraine. And uh, he's trying to be canceled, obviously. This message is trying to be stopped. Um, There's also a part two in the Passion series on the resurrection that is in the works as well. Um, So you're thankful for anyone who will stand up and speak truth in a world that will try to cancel it. But uh, thank God he's resourced and has the money to put into these things because that's what it takes because you're not going to get anybody else in Hollywood to get behind something like that. Um, So what we see as we continue to read, it says they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served created things rather than the creator. We see idolatry at its finest. Who was forever praised, amen, because of this God gave them over to shameful lust. Even their women exchanged natural sexual relations for unnatural ones. In the same way, the men also abandoned natural relationships with women and were inflamed with lust. For one another, men committed shameful acts with other men and received in themselves the due penalty for their error. Furthermore, just as they did not think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God, so God gave them over to a depraved mind. So they so that they do what ought not to be done. So if we look at what Scripture has to say, it has a lot to say about the day and time we live in. It's Romans 1 through and through. And we see the unwinding and the deconstruction of a how does someone get to a debased and to a depraved mind. And this takes us into our first point of when a society, a family, a nation rejects, removes, or replaces God First and foremost, we see that God gives them over to a depraved and a debased mind. Number two, when a society rejects, removes, or replaces God, we see that they become deceived and delusional. And number three, when a society rejects, removes, or replaces God, it unleashes the demonic. It unleashes the demonic. Second Thessalonians 2, 9 through 11 says this. It says, the coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan, with all power, signs, and lying wonders. So there's always, again, Satan counterfeits. We've seen spirit of Antichrist all through um, millennia, all through times and generations and countries. So it speaks to the spirit that motivates it, that it's the working of Satan, that there will be power and signs and lying wonders. Think of Moses' staff and the sorcerers who could do the same. Um, but whose snake ate the other staff? Moses's. Amen. Thank God. And it says, and with all unrighteous 
deception among those who perish because they did not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved. And for this reason, God will send them strong delusion. You gotta understand a tactic of the enemy is he always sends delusion. And the thing is, most people who are in delusion don't know that they are deluded or being in a spirit of delusion, that they believe a lie. So we see what happens here. Also, we see in 1 Timothy 4, 1. It says, now the Spirit expressly says that in latter times, some will depart from the faith. This is happening in droves, unfortunately, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. Has to be said, but the pride movement is fueled and funded by doctrines of demons. This is where the world is. This is what is being pushed down our throats And this is not a political post. This is biblical. And always understand this, is that from the beginning of how the church was set up and how you and I were supposed to believe, is that your political ideology, your economical ideology, your educational ideology, how you worshiped was never to be compartmentalized. That this is my politics over here, but this is my Jesus time over here. Is it was supposed to be the same circle fueled by your walk with God. Your, the Bible should always influence your politics, how you vote, who you vote for. And um, it's never supposed to be this separate little thing, and then I have Jesus on Sundays, and I you know, praise Jesus till I feel better. It's, a, it's an emotion, or it's a feeling. But you see from the very top down, you saw a, a tweet from POTUS, and there a pride flag is hanging on the White House, and it says, I'm sending a clear message, America is a country of pride. I think you have it. You can put it up. But you'll see that this agenda is being pushed where the White House has become a playhouse to invite all of these transgenders, all of these um, pride movements for a day at the White House. And if you actually look of many who were in attendance, who were actually trans men were running around topless um, at the White House, Uh, They were actually banned to never come back, and the White House put a public apology out, um, I believe, for things that were done in this time. Of course, you probably won't see it. You probably won't hear about it. Um, But you'll hear from the top down, from the President of the United States, sending a clear message to you and to me that we are a country of pride. And I don't know about you, but I refuse to accept that. I refuse to believe that. This is not how we were founded. This is not who we are. And... When you go to the polls this year, you need to know what politicians think about pride and what their views are, what their goals are to get this into schools, to get this into your home, to get this into churches. Again, unpopular message, but this is the day and time we live in, and I won't be silent about this stuff. Appreciate you guys. And even if you didn't clap, I still love you and you're still welcome here. (laughs) All right, so what we see, again, when a society, the four Ds, rejects, removes, replaces God, is we become depraved, we become deceived, we become delusional, and it becomes demonic. This is America in 2023. These are, this is the culture of how you're raising your kids in 2023. 
But as I said, we want to see deliverers raised up in this culture, in this church, that won't allow demonic ideologies to take the deliverance spirit that is upon them. Because there's going to come a day, if the Lord see fit, that I pastor here for 30, 40 more years. I got a lot of time left in me, praise God. Is that we're going to see these kids who went through these surgeries of their body parts being mutilated, and they're going to detransition. There's actually a huge movement, if you Google this and look into this, of detransitioning. And it's very sad because uh, public health will tell us that there are more psychotic drugs given to children and young adults who have transitioned after their medical surgery than before. So clearly we're seeing it doesn't make it better when you change the genitals on a child or change the genitals on your body. There's more psychotic drugs being pushed. So we've got to be aware to this that there's going to come a day when this generation is going to find the truth. And I want to be a church that is ready to receive them and share the truth with them in love to give them the gospel. But if we don't take a stand in 2023, then in 2037 or in 2026, whatever it is, then there's not going to be any standard that was raised to know that there's a different option, that there's real truth, that there's real love, and his name is Jesus Christ. So understand that we are prophetically speaking into the future of this church. And as your pastor, as a leader of ZCA, we will hold the line and say, 100%, none of this will be taught. None of this will be brought into the school or this church, that this is a safe place for your children to grow in the admonition of the Lord. And we partner with parents who feel the same way. Second Peter 3.10 says through this, so when you see all of this saying, and, and here's where I close, and Corey, if you help me. So what are we supposed to do with this? Right, we see all of the, um, everything we've talked about. So now we have to ask, what is now my response? Second Peter 3, 10 through 12 says, we have to live a holy life. We have to live a holy life. It says this, it says, but the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. Therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be? So how are we to live in this time and in this age? Peter tells us right here. It says that we are to be, um, we are to be to conduct ourselves with holy conduct and with godliness, looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God. So we're to look for his coming we're to look for his arrival, not just uh, at the, when he, Christ breaks the eastern sky. And please know this as well, as he first came as a lamb in the beginning, but when he comes back, he's not coming as a lamb. He is coming as a lion. And you're going to see a different side of Jesus when he cracks the eastern sky with a sword in his side, with fire in his eyes. You can't play with this stuff. Let's be conduits of holy conduct and godliness, looking for a better day to come, but not being unaware of the present reality of how we're to redeem what is around us. Secondly, we see that we're to have a healthy home. So we live a holy life, we have a healthy home. Deuteronomy 6-7 says, You shall teach them diligently to your children, 
You shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise up. You've got to take every opportunity. You've got to talk to your kids. You've actually got to know their heart. You've got to know their personalities. You've got to take the time to instill Christian values in your children before they go to bed. When they wake up in the morning, do they hear you pray? Do they see you worship? Do you get your kids to church? All the things we know we should be doing, but we lack discipline in. You've got to raise the standard of discipline with your kids. Statistics will tell us kids between four and 12 will have five hours of scream time a day. Between 13 and 18, it's eight hours of scream time a day. If you are not teaching your children, somebody else is. And don't think because your child isn't on a screen, the neighbor kid is on a screen, and all it takes is a couple interactions and innocence is taken. You've got to be vigilant. Got to have a healthy home. Some might say, well, pastor, I don't want to be a helicopter parent. Right? I don't want to hover over my kids. Well, I'm not asking you to be a helicopter parent. I'm asking you to be a fighter jet parent that bursts in. They hear the Top Gun anthem, and they hear the bombs drop, okay? It's different. Daniel hears dad walking down the hallway to the Top Gun Maverick anthem. He's going to know we're going to drop some truth here, okay? Number three is a strong stance. Strong stance. 2 Timothy 1.12. For this reason, I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed. Are you ashamed of the gospel? Sadly, many pastors, many church leaders, many people, they won't outright say it, but they live lives that are hidden from the power of the gospel. Can't be ashamed. For I know whom I believed and am persuaded. So here's... Here's the gut you got to have in 2023 is you can't be ashamed and you have to be persuaded. If you are ashamed and you are unpersuaded, you will bow when Nebuchadnezzar's golden image is lifted, when the demonic ideologies of our day fly from month to month. We've got to stop affirming the delusion. We've got to stop giving into these pronouns because it's all just how much can we take from you? You can't give in to these things. We can't perpetuate the madness. And if you'd stand with me, I wanna encourage you with these six scriptures and we'll pray. Number one, John 17, 17 says, God's word is truth and the standard of all that is right and wrong. Do you believe that today? That God's word is truth and the standard of how we work through these things. Number two, Genesis 1.27 speaks of that God designed us as male and female. Amen. Number three, God designed each person with beauty and purpose, being fearfully and wonderfully made. Psalms 139. Number four, Genesis 1.28, God designed sex with the con- within the confines of marriage between one man and one woman. Number five, God designed all races with equal value and worth. Acts 10, 34. And number six, Romans 10, 9 through 13. God loves all and died for all in order to save all who would call upon the name of the Lord. And I pray that we're a church that in any and every season, our first response is to call upon his name. And lastly, 
we have to have a tender heart. Number four, we gotta have a tender heart. Jude 1, 22 says, and on some have compassion. So you gotta understand this, that we've gotta have compassion. Just because you disagree with something doesn't mean you can't have compassion. What is compassion, pastor? It is love in action. You just don't sit and soak in God's love. You get up and you do something about it. You go and you love somebody. So it says, we've got to have compassion, making a distinction, but others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire. So we've got to understand in a tender heart is we've got to engage into these movements and pull people like we're pulling them out of the pits of hell. This is what scripture commands us. This is what it means to be compassionate is I am rescuing and I am pulling people out of these things so they don't have defiled flesh. Lastly, I leave you with this. Ephesians 6, verse 10. You know it, but let it give you some backbone today. Finally, brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on, somebody say put on. The whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against a spiritual host of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up your whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all, stand. Today, I pray you stand but you stand in compassion. You don't stand in affirming, you stand in compassion. You don't stand in anger, you stand in compassion. Love in action. But you've gotta be persuaded, can't be ashamed. This will cost you something. Even a message that's preached like this, somebody will hear it and say, oh, you go to Gathering Place Church? I heard they preach X, Y, Z. Are you okay to stand with that? Are you okay to have a pastor who preaches on these things? I figured you are. But you gotta know is when you go into these spaces and places, and please understand this is just the beginning. Again, the line will consistently be moved by these ideologies, but we will always raise the standard and say you've gotta walk in the spirit to not fulfill the lust of the flesh. You bow your head, lift your hands, we'll pray. Father, we thank you as we are surrendered, as we are yielded, Holy Spirit, have your way. We stand in love. We stand in truth today. And Father, we can lower our hands for a moment as we take the elements of the body and blood of Jesus. You can see them in the seat back in front of you. As we commune with Jesus, we choose today as his body is broken for us that we put on Christ that we trust in God today, our Savior. That when we seek the Lord, he will answer. God, I thank you that there's parents here today who say, I wanna take a next step. I wanna be a better father, a better mother, a better parent. I wanna be more engaged, but I don't know how. While you're holding the answer in your hands. It's through a deeper, saturated relationship with Jesus. It's a closeness. It's a humility. Father, I thank you that as we repent of sin today, that it's easy to get rah-rah about 
all the sin we see in the world, but do we take the same anger in the same war that Jesus talks about, being violent with the passions within, do we get angry at that? Do we get when a war against the things that are robbing us of peace, of joy, of patience? God, let us war those things as we hold your body, that this is what you taught us to do, and let us not be flaky, fake Christians, but let us, those who love you, obey you. We want to obey you. It is not a burden. It is a joy to follow you in the fullness of who you are. We are unashamed and we are persuaded. We take your body in Jesus' name. We take the cup of the covenant. Jesus, we ask that as we take this today, that the generations underneath us, our children, our children's children, the future children coming into Zion Christian Academy and our children's ministries, that the blood of Jesus be saturated over them. That the blood of the Lamb rule and reign in their life. That Jesus is the perfect sacrifice for us. That we don't have to sacrifice our bodies to find identity. Jesus was sacrificed so that we can know what true love is. That we are not our feelings. Our feelings lie to us. And Jesus, I pray that truth gird a generation of deliverers, not feelings, not emotions. Fathers, we take your cup. We are in covenant with you. We are blood-bought people today. We honor the Lord. We repent of sin. We take the cup in Jesus' name. Thanks for tuning in to this week's podcast. We pray it encouraged, uplifted, and challenged you to become more like Christ. We would love to hear from you. You can email your prayer request to prayer at gpcky.com. Loving our podcast? Take a moment and like and subscribe on our YouTube channel to stay up to date with all of our new content. Thanks for listening.